Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Scene to Scene podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Complex. I am an associate editor and film writer and podcast host. At deadline. Now, on today's episode, we have the phenomenal playwright, poet, and actress Dominique Fishback. Now, I've loved the actress ever since she starred in Jordana Spiro's 2018 film Night Comes On. You know, others also took notice of her performance in the film as the actress was named one of the Hollywood Reporter's Sundance Film Festival's breakout stars and was praised for her role in the film. However, what solidified her place? Among the Hollywood elite was when she starred in Shaka King's Academy Award-nominated film, Judas and the Black Messiah, which she starred in alongside Daniel Kaluuya, who won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress that year, and Lakeith Stanfield. Throughout her career, Dominique Fishback has been a part of some great projects, including the HBO series The Deuce and Netflix film Project Power, in which she starred in alongside Jamie Foxx. And she's currently in the Apple Plus TV miniseries, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray with Samuel L. Jackson. So she's definitely held her own amongst the Hollywood heavyweights. Now, the miniseries is based on a novel by Walter Mosley. And in the novel, Ptolemy Gray is an ailing man forgotten about by his family, his friends, and even himself. Suddenly left without his trusted caretaker and on the brink of sinking deeper into dementia, Ptolemy is assigned to care for an orphan teenager named Robin, which is who Fishback plays in the series. In April 2021, it was announced that Fishback had partnered with Oscar winner Jamie Foxx to adapt her one-woman show, Subverted, which started as a stage play, and she wants to adapt it into a series special. Now, the story is about Fishback playing a character called Eden, and Eden is an 18-year-old girl living in the inner city. And it depicts the destruction of the black identity as seen through her eyes. The actress plays more than 20 characters in the show and will executive produce the project with Fox and his producing partner, Datari Turner. On today's episode, Fishback and I talk about her performances, her poetry, and why it's important for her to trust her instincts when making films and choosing roles in Hollywood. Now, if you like what you hear, be sure to rate, like, and subscribe to the Deadline Teen Scene podcast. Uh, Would love to hear your feedback on any guest, anyone you're looking to have on the show. And with that, let's get into it. Thank you again for for chatting with me. We've we've um, we've spoken a couple of times in the past, and it's always been a really like powerful conversation. And I, I'm excited to dive in. Um, you have done like your work is so varied in so many different genres of work. Is this the vision that you saw 
for your career when you first started out? You know, uh, yeah, I feel like even right now in picking roles, I just try to go off my inner child. You know, you never know what's right. You never know if people are gonna is gonna resonate with people. You know, you don't know how it's gonna get executed. But the only thing you can go off of like is the thing that you wanted when there was no outside forces, no no critics, no ideas of who you were, what's supposed to be, what you saw on TV, and said, "Hey, I want to do that." Mm-hmm. And so I try to go based off of what I know my younger self would have wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always wanted to be diverse. You know, I love. I love Meryl Streep. And I used to always say, even when I was in school, like, you know, maybe everybody won't love me or they won't love every project I do, but they won't be able to say she can't act. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to like hone my craft in that way and just show that I could be everything. I, I use this, uh, this saying, the heroine with a thousand faces. Mm-hmm. Cause I always felt like I had so many, we all have so many layers to ourselves, but uh, I wanted to make sure that in acting and the gift that God gave me that I was able to stretch and show that I can do all of the things. And you've worked with some really powerful people. You worked with Jamie Foxx, and now you're working with Samuel L. Jackson. And can you talk about what that's been like? Yeah. On the the on the Ptolemy Gray uh, series. I mean, yeah. Ptolemy. Yes, I'm trying to get the name right, and I'm sitting here like it's so funny, it's so confusing. For the longest, like for longest, I was like Ptolemy. Everybody's kind of like it's like a thing. Uh, but yeah, working on the set. I think in school and it like in school, they teach us about the craft of acting and they say, Hey, if you're in this for any other reason than to like do the craft and you're in it for the wrong reason. And they don't really teach you about the art of show business Mm -hmm. or the art of being a movie star and all those things that it requires. And so I think uh, with Sam in particular, all of his advice was really about what you need to sustain this position that you are getting into. So Mm -hmm why you have the perks in your contract, why you have a hair and makeup team, why your team needs to fight and advocate for this in a contract, mm-hmm. why you have to live in an area that makes you feel good. Why the things that, you know, I think, especially coming from maybe like a, a low income community or desiring that you have something that you only dreamed of, you kind of accept the bare minimum mm-hmm. of things. And Sam is there to say like, no, you don't have to accept that. You are, you can be grateful for these things and also know your worth and ask for what what you're what you're worth and what you need to sustain the fact that you're giving your art and your emotion Mm -hmm. all the time right right right. and and so how did the role like come across you like you know what you know I'm curious to know like when your your manager or your agent they get scripts for you and everything you sift through them and you're like yeah that's the one yeah that's the one how did that happen with with this uh series it's so funny. I actually had more resistance to it. Interesting. Yeah, I did because I felt like, you know, I had just got off of doing Judas and a Black Messiah. And even mm-hmm. though she was a, a teenager and at time they had to grow up a little bit faster and be more maternal. And so, mm-hmm. but I'm a romantic and I love like love stories. Mm-hmm. And so for the first time I really get to play this romantic in love interest and kind mm-hmm. of be that that woman and a, a lot of times because I look so young and thankfully so I play right. teenagers where she doesn't get involved in romantic relationships mm-hmm. and, you know uh and so with this after I had just got a chance to stretch that maternal aspect that womanly quote-unquote aspect I started to feel like dang should I is the next right move to play another teenager mm-hmm. 
know, and I think that I, I do play teenagers and, I, and I'm so hyper aware that I try to make sure that every single one of them has their own energy. You know, right. in essence, they might be the same. In essence, a lot of times they're this character that has a harder exterior, but a softer inside and they show love and they extend love to these like men, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't know if I wanted to do that again with this show. But then what made you decide to say, you know what? Um, well, I found out that Sam uh, really, really wanted me to do it. And it was like, really, okay. You know, we need, we need her. We, I want her. And um, when I read the, when I knew, when I read the not, when I read the scripts and then I read the novel, it all changed for me. Sam has a lot of experience with Alzheimer's in his family. Mm-hmm. And I knew that the show meant so much to him. And so the fact that he was like, no, I want, I want her. I was like, okay, let me pause and really consider why you know and um I read the script and I loved Robin and I thought she got and I also realized that again I think being a young black actress and getting in your mind from the beginning of your career that you don't want to get put in a box Mm -hmm. that I had that in my mind so I was like I did this already I did this already when in reality I didn't do it already you know like my character I've never been on a show where my character had to get into a fight I've never been on the show like you know like it just it actually never happened but I think there's a perception that I had even in my own mind that wasn't even true so I had to move out in my own way and make space for what God was presenting right in front of me and um I think that Robin has an amazing arc and um it was it was I was thankful that the the creatives really took the time to listen to me and Mm -hmm. care about what I had to say which also made uh have playing this character a little better because right. I had control a little bit more control or mm-hmm. a voice for her. And, and, and it's always good to be someone in control and how that's how your roles are navigated, because especially as a black woman performing, there is, and I don't know if this is something you think about, but falling into tropes and looking like every other black character that exists on television or in film or or anything like that and the fact that you were able to cultivate that with Robin with the character speaks volumes thank you um is there any situation where you felt out of control and you know, when, when taking on a role or anything like that, where you felt out of control and how did you navigate that? You don't have to name specifics or anything like that. I'm really just curious about your journey in navigating when that happens. And I know like sometimes looking young is great, but sometimes people, yeah, people don't take you at, cause I suffer from the same thing. So people don't take you as an adult until you start talking that stuff and then they're like oh okay so I'm just curious to know how you've navigated that in the unique position you're in yeah it's very hard I was actually talking to my friend today about uh, about gifts and a responsibility and uh how sometimes it could be a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. it's the thing that they might love about you is also the thing that they might not want yeah. from you mm-hmm. you know my dad used to always say People love a rebel, only one they can control. You know, right. everybody loves a rebel when the rebel's on their side. But then when the rebel's saying, hey, I don't know about that, it might, it might, you know, mm-hmm. cause 
um, distance. So, I, you know, the way I navigate that is to just know that uh, in my, like my instincts, your, your instincts are never wrong. You know what I'm saying? And I always try to speak to the creatives and say, listen, I'm not trying to say that this is the only way, but I also know that my spirit has, has flagged something. And I think it's worth, I think it's worth hearing, you know, to hear and like, please hear me out. This is important. And I often say like, I think it's important to be hyper aware of something as opposed to acting like it doesn't exist. Cause when you're hyper aware of something, you could say, uh, okay, this might be the perception of it. I don't agree with that. Um, and I'm okay if this is the perception, but if you just don't even decide to go in that direction, then you can't even identify or advocate through or for the, the choice that you made. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm also just trying to have faith that when I do projects that the people have, who have become a fan or who have loved work up until whatever point, or that they, that they know that the same person that helped create this character in Judas, helped create this character as Robin, helped create this character as Darlene, is the same person that's helping to create any other character. And so my advocacy never changed. Mm-hmm. Whether people hear it or not and take into consideration is beyond my control. And I also have to say to myself and be gent- more gentle with myself and say, it's beyond your control because right. at the end of the day, you know what you've done and you know what you've spoke for. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I can't imagine how difficult that is when you're at a crossroads and you're like, well, I want to keep what I have, but I also need to say what I have to say. And not just feeling like a sellout to others, but one to yourself. It's like, did I sell myself short Mm. for something that Mm. may not have been worth it? Mm. So I can't, I can't even imagine what that must be like for you. The idea of something being worth it or not, that's like up, that's up in the air, right? Right. Okay. We never know what the the gift of the situation is. Maybe it didn't play out the way I thought it was, Mm -hmm. but the, but the, um, experience that I got is helping me to navigate not even just my life as a professional but my personal life Mm -hmm. everything intertwines and I think when you're in alignment I I find that when I've been in alignment with roles and stuff like that I think that it often mirrors the things that I'm going through in my life or the things that I need to gain some more knowledge about in my life and um you know even with projects I pray I say God if this is not for me, if it's not in alignment, then please take it away and make it easy. You know, so if God takes it away easily, then I know it's not for me. But if it's here, even if it's scary, even if I don't understand, even if I feel like I'm not being hurt, I know that I asked God to remove the thing, even though I thought I, I wanted it. It's mm-hmm. very, it's easy to, you know, to pray for something that you want to say, I want this, I want this, but it's not as easy to pray for some, say, hey, take this away. Even though mm-hmm. I want this thing, mm-hmm. it's not right, take it away. And so I try to have faith in the fact that I ask those questions. I always ask God to, to lead all the steps that I take. And you definitely want to, you know, you want to affirm as you want to repel the things that will bring you harm. But sometimes you just don't know what that thing is. And again, like you said, it might be something you want in that case. And, and speaking of when you, you know, talk about characters and stuff, what is something that you learned from Robin that you plan to apply to your personal life as Dominique Fishback? Mm. I think Robin and I were like going back and forth. We were exchanging things. So I can't even abs- like, like extrapolate 
what the thing is that she taught mm-hmm. me or I taught her. But one of the, I guess, most powerful things is that um, I know it to be true that when you are um, loved and you feel safe, that you're able to soften mm-hmm. and you're able to be the true, the true essence of who you are before the world got on top of you. And I feel the same about me. I know I'm a romantic. I'm all of these things. And then also, I'm also from Brooklyn. You know, I also right. went to Brooklyn, Brownsville. I, when, I, when I speak, I speak with conviction. When I speak, it's passionate. And maybe somebody won't understand because I have a New York accent or whatever the case is. But right. I'm also very reasonable. I'm also emotionally, like, uh, astute. And I know what's going on in my own body. Mm-hmm. So I think that... I guess with Robin being so free about who she was and not holding anything back and, you know, Ptolemy not holding, like not withholding love from her because Mm -hmm. of who she came off as Mm -hmm. allowed her to say, okay, no, this is how I really am. Even with Roger, you want that Roger character, you know, she was very like, what do you, what you want from me? What Mm -hmm. you looking for? And he didn't judge her based off of that. He just, uh, he opened himself up and therefore she was able to open up. So I try to, I try to give myself as much um, compassion as I give Robin. That's a really great answer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When I think about characters you've played, I look, I was at the premiere of Night Comes On at mm-hmm. Sundance. And it's a movie that I love. It's a movie that I add, like I teach, I teach a class uh, every so often um, about uh, Black women in cinema, uh, black, char- black female characters in cinema and discovering the, the ones that sort of open opened up the pathways of subverting tropes and sort of lending itself to the true essence of uh, feminine blackness or, you know, uh, black womanhood. And that film is definitely, you know, a part of the curriculum because it was, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to find the words for it, but it was, one of those emotional films that we don't see at first, I was like, okay, well, this is looking kind of tropey the same. And then it just turned into something so much more and showed so much more of the uh, of black womanhood and the experience mm. showing that we don't exist in a vacuum. And I don't know, I, I brought it up because I just, I don't know, I wanted to hear your thoughts on the film. And, and I've been, you know, I've been meaning to ask you about that every time I meet you and I just always forget. But I'm like, I always wonder what is going through her mind playing this character. And I remember the reception just being great and me constantly reminding people to see it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, so it's so long ago now that I also had resistance to playing that role as well, to be honest. <laughs> it's kind of funny because I get the, the uh, character breakdown and it's like, 
oh, you know, an 18 year old girl gets out of the juvie and she wants to kill her. And I'm like, oh, like, why, why do I gotta get out of juvie? <laughs> so, why do I gotta get out of juvie? You know, right. what I mean? um, but mm, the agent that I had at the time, uh, which is something I take with me always, is like, well, you know, don't take the weekend to read it. And if you don't want to do it, mm-hmm. you don't have to audition for it. Mm-hmm. Once I once I read it and mm-hmm. I got out of my own way, mm-hmm. I said, oh, wow. You know, there's something really incredible about this. And if I get this role, it's be- only because, and the same thing with not with, the, uh, with the hate you give and playing right. Kang, it was a smaller role, but, you know, she wanted to fight at the party. She had mm-hmm. all this going on. And I remember saying, like, if I get it, it's because I understand these women in a way that I will never, ever allow them, which was ever in my control, to, to be a stereotype or to be the laughing stock or to be whatever, you know, uh, with... With Angel, she didn't smile a lot. The only time she right. smiled was on the beach. Mm-hmm. And I remember Jordana, who's a co-writer and director of the film, was saying, listen, like, as a woman, or she's a white woman, she's saying, like, a lot of times she'll, she'll hear people say to her, like, oh, we have to make sure that this female character is likable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why do we have to be likable? Mm-hmm. Which is the same thing that went back with, that I was con that was a uh, conscious of with playing Robin, right? Like I made sure that the only time she smiled, the only time these other characters got a smile was when they earned it because uh-huh. she had a lot of trauma in her life. And I'm not going to just give a smile because I think that, you know, I'm supposed to Robin don't care what the doctor think about her. Right. Robin don't care what Tali thinks of her, you know, at the beginning, you know, I remember being at the, the premiere and somebody being like, Oh, I didn't like Robin. Or looking on Twitter and being like, oh, I don't, I ain't like her. And then as as the episodes go on, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I love her. Oh no, she's she's the best person for him. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to play something for fear that people wouldn't like her. Right, I right. Just had to be true. And so I tried to do that with everything. And the same thing with Angel. I just gotta be, I gotta be true. And a lot of times when you're true and authentic, people feel it. I don't have to, you don't have to put anything on to get sympathy. You just right. have to exist. Right. And how do you? Go, you know, going about playing these different characters with different lifestyles and some being heavier than others. Is there a way that you sort of decompress, uh, you know, after a role uh, as a way to some people? Because, you know, there are some actors out there who take that stuff home with them. And I'm just wondering if that's you, too. And if you do, how do you decompress? And yeah. I find that like, cause I have this one woman show called Subverted and I would- I was going to get to that, but I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> Thanks, but I would play like 20 different characters an hour and 20 minutes, there's no intermission. And then sometimes I would turn around, like after the show, I would speak to everybody who was in the audience. And then I would turn around and do the show all over again and speak to everybody in the audience again in the same night. And after that, I realized, oh, Dom, that's not sustainable. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, so it's a learning process for me because people always joke like, even Jamie Foxx was joking, like, you know, we would be in between takes and, and she would be laughing. I'd be like, she better, you know, and get in her, in her character because she about to have to be emotional. And he's like, they'll say, okay, set. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm emotional. Mm-hmm. And people always talk about, like, how you're able to, like, come out of this really emotional thing and just, like, start laughing and joking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always took that as a compliment. And now as I get older, I'm kind of like, mm, but maybe you should take the time to decompress and get these characters and these experiences off of you. I think mm-hmm. I really found that in Judas and the Black Messiah because the day that we had to do the scene where I cover Daniel's body is that whole morning I couldn't stop crying. 
Mm-hmm. And like, I felt sick to my stomach. I felt like something bad was going to happen. And I realized, oh, my body can't differentiate between what my mind mm-hmm. has allowed myself to believe all of these months. Mm-hmm. So uh, then I realized, oh, we maybe should have had a therapist on the set. Mm-hmm. You know, so now I advocate for that on other projects. Say, hey, I think we should have a therapist on the set. You know, um, and so I think therapy, taking a lot of baths, you know, mm-hmm. um, I I'm I was meditating a lot before. I haven't been meditating lately, so I feel like uh, I know I need to get back on that. But I, I'm trying my best. I usually journal. I try to do video journals to just get out my experiences, mm-hmm. and get out how I feel. And what what are so you and you talked about uh, your stage play, your one woman show. What, what it's such a I always ask this question. And I realized this, at first I was like, this is such a silly question, but it's really interesting to hear what people think about the, the differences between stage and, and screen, not just the, the obvious things, but the emotions, the way you carry yourself, like, have you found solace in the stage in that way to where it'd always be a comfort for you to go back to, you know? um yeah I will say you know stage is where I started when I was 15 and originally when I wanted to act I only knew acting based off of tv mm-hmm. um, even though I was from Brooklyn Broadway just wasn't a, a conversation in my household it mm-hmm. wasn't something that I knew and it was only when I was 15 that I said my mom's not doesn't know how to get me into acting I started googling free acting for kids in NYC and I came across you know this theater um, opportunity and then that lend itself to another that opportunity where I got to write and perform my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And at a young age, I knew that my voice mattered and I knew that I was a storyteller outside of what somebody else writes for me. Um, the, the director also made us edit our own stuff. And so at, not only as, a, as just a performer, but as a writer, as a storyteller, I'm understanding how to get what I mean across. Mm-hmm. And I think that that gave me um, a certain power and a certain confidence the way I move in the industry and the way I move in TV and film is similar. I always say when I meet directors and stuff like that, again, like I said earlier, I don't think that my way is the way it's going to be, but mm-hmm. I am a person that loves to communicate. And once the, once, you know, once they give me the character and it's on me, the director is thinking about all the other characters, thinking about all the departments, all the worlds. And my sole responsibility is to think about this character. I'm going to stay up late at night and think about this character. Can I send you an email at two in the morning saying, hey, I was thinking about the scene. I know we're shooting it tomorrow, but blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. that we can have a dialogue about it because I feel, you know, I'm, I am the woman who's living from this experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I appreciate Shaka and Judas and Black Messiah because when I, when I spoke, he really listened. And that's how, you know, I ended up writing the poem that she says in the movie. Right. And he offered, he was like, well, do you want to take a shot at that poem? And I was really thankful. I mean, I didn't expect him to do that. But when I did it, I realized, oh, you know, he's a great writer and he I'm sure he can write a beautiful piece, but he's a man. And he's saying if this woman here has this inkling, why not see what she's going to say about Mm -hmm. the piece before Mm -hmm. I impose what I think a woman would feel in this instance? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a collaboration in that way. So stage allowed me to have a confidence in how Mm -hmm. I'm going to industry. It's not easy. It is very scary because you don't want to be misunderstood. And that's one of the biggest things. I, I don't want to be misrepresented and I don't want to be misunderstood. And, you know, that's obviously beyond my control. Um, 
Yeah. Any plans to direct in your future? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, originally I didn't want to direct. Uh, when I was on the deuce, I got to shadow a director mm-hmm. and I, I didn't find it interesting. It was like, they got to scout and do all the boring stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did Night Comes On and I was very close to Jordana. And then, you know, I would ask her certain questions about a, a, like a frame and mm-hmm. a camera. And she'd be like, I don't know, you say you don't want to direct, but you're asking a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. the questions. I was like, oh, okay, maybe. When we went to Sundance and I saw all the women that were, were responsible for the stories that they had come up with, mm-hmm. so they, they wrote it, but they also directed it. I said, oh, like I imagine, well, I imagine what it would be like. So I definitely want to direct, but I'm also such a, a student that I feel like, damn, damn, maybe I got to go to school for it. Like right. I, I always do that. It's not, I can't just, just do it. I have to say, okay, let me take some classes. Let me read some books. I, no matter what it is, I'll have to read a book or like take a class and to feel like I'm credible or something. I don't know. Well, let me put your mind at ease, right? So I am like a film writer and podcaster and all of this stuff for Deadline Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I went to school for psychology and computer science. Oh, wow. So yeah, I went to school, like journalism was not in my trajectory of things to do. Yeah. Um, I was in the military and I was doing, I was working in the warehouse. So I just wow. want to say sometimes, and I got here through mostly hands-on experience. And if I am to give you any advice, yes, hands-on experience is probably the best way to get to find out instantly if it's something that you want to do. I I directed a film and I didn't like it. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to do it. I mean, I will if I have to with another collaborator because that seems to be the only way a lot of women and black women are getting their projects done mm-hmm. is by doing it themselves. But, you know, I just started to write one day and here I am. So it's just the best experience is the best experience. So um, just want to say, wanted to say that. Yeah. And are you, um, are you still writing poetry right now? Uh, actually I am. Uh, I've been working well, trying to work on it, but I was trying to decide if I wanted to make 2009 down a published poet as well. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting together my my poems for a book. Good, good. I was just about I, to ask. You said what? I was just about to ask you if you were going to put a book together ever. Yeah, I want to put a book together, but I'm also kind of unsure if I should just do the newer poems that I make. Mm-hmm. They're very, they're very, they're more short and sporadic, like mm-hmm. the style that's happening right now. Um, but my other ones are, they are like four minute long poems like that were written to be performed, which is a, mm. like a difference between reading. Cause even when I, like, as a poet, I never loved reading poetry. Hmm. I never loved it. I loved watching poets perform. Right. Um, and so I wonder if there's a visual aspect to some of the pieces in the poem mm. book, you know? Um, yeah. Did you used to go down to the New Yorkian? You know, I went, I went to New York and, um, once and I won the, like, the mm-hmm. night or whatever the case is, but I was not eight, I, maybe I was 18 or 17. It was one of those numbers where I couldn't go further in whatever they had planned. Cause you was too young or whatever. I was too young. So, uh, but also I didn't like, there was, there was like a, um, a clickish nature of it mm-hmm. that people didn't really 
pay attention to me or like when I would come up to them, but like, oh my God, I love what you did. It's like, oh, thanks. It's like a little bit snooty. Mm-hmm. And then when you get on stage and perform, all of a sudden you're worthy mm-hmm. of them to speak to you. And that's kind of like the energy that I got when mm-hmm. I went. I only went once, so I can't really judge it based off of that, but I was not really a, um, a in the poetry circuit. I would mm-hmm. only kind of do some poems here and there to win money because mm-hmm. I was in college. So I would like the $500, I go and like, win something, but I never really stayed in the poetry community. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so what do you have coming up? What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Um, well, I'm doing a show currently uh, that's created by Donald Glover. Um, and uh, but can't really talk about that, you know, but mm-hmm. I get, but it's, it's announced that is that is uh, in the works. So I've been working on that. I personally want to do music. Uh, mm-hmm. Music is something that I've always wanted to do since I was a kid, but I, mm-hmm. but I, but acting came a little bit more naturally to right. me. So when I would do certain things, people, people would go crazy about the acting and the music thing was like, oh, okay. And so I, I kind of then decided that that meant, oh, I wasn't supposed to do it. Right. You know what I mean? And so as I got older, the inkling to make music never went away. And I kept getting opportunities, even the fact that I did Project Power and uh, the character was a rapper. Mm-hmm. And then she does a rap song at the end. Um, so I had to go in the studio and kind of do it. It was my mm-hmm. first time doing that. And then after that, I couldn't go on Instagram for like, a year without people being like, when you are rap, are you putting out, just, you know? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, maybe that's the universe. And I made a song, a cover to Song Cry. Mm-hmm. And um, I really enjoyed it. So I'm just, but I'm just, I got my piano here. I've been learning piano for a little while. So I really want to make some music, you know, see what happens with Transformers next year and like, mm-hmm. you know, promoting that, but kind of work on my own stuff as opposed to being an actor for hire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me find out you in the studio cooking up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're cooking up, man. So are you um are you in Cali now or are you still in New York? No, I'm in Atlanta right now. Okay. Cause I was gonna say, like, usually like people like us, we don't usually leave the East Coast. Or like uh, if we do, we you, you know, I said if I ever become like Hollywood famous, I'm still staying in New York. You know, I always thought that too. I did recently, I did recently move to mm-hmm. um LA in December I haven't even been there long because then I started filming yeah uh, but there's there was something about it for me that feels really great in this time mm-hmm. of my life now because uh the pace is slower um the weather is nicer and I mm-hmm. think the, because I'm from Brooklyn the like the the grit the hardcore mm-hmm. the cold the concrete is something that my body can't take right now Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's just a lot of stuff that I experienced in my life that I'm just kind of looking for a little bit of, a little bit more peace of mind, mm-hmm. a little bit more space, a little bit more sunshine. Um, when I but, put know. it that way, <laughs> I got some things to think about. Um, thank you again thank for you. chatting with me. We always seem to link up somehow and it's always Absolutely. a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, thank you for coming on uh, the deadline scene to scene podcast and I really appreciate everything you do thank you so and much. how you know in the circles people talk and you know you're one of the New Yorkers people talk about and they like that the work they like the work that you're doing so thank you. just want to say keep it up I keep will representing all right thank you so much have a great day talk to you soon all right bye-bye